This podcast is a presentation of Gateway Fellowship, Paulsville, Washington. Experience community, find hope. Check us out at gatewayfellowship.com. Well, as the cow said to the former farmer on the cold winter day, thanks for the warm hand. You think about it, you'll get it. I've been looking forward to this time to be with you. I've been praying for it, and I trust the Lord's going to use it. May He be glorified and honored. Um, how many of you like snow? Oh, a few more. At 9 o'clock, I had like two people. I love snow. In, in 1974, I was an engineering student at the University of Idaho, and I went home to my home in North Idaho, and I stayed with a friend and his family. And uh, they lived out in the country. They had 80 acres, and it was timbered, and, and it's snow country. So uh, the first morning, I got up, and uh, there was snow coming down. It was beautiful. I just love it. It just makes everything quiet, and it's, it's pretty. I just love snow. And so I said, I'm going to go for a walk. So I went up behind their house, and I'm walking, and uh, all of a sudden, I come across this set of deer tracks. And I thought, you know, it'd be kind of fun. I've never done this before. I'm going to follow this deer and see where he goes. So I'm following this deer for like half an hour. And I'm walking along, and all of a sudden I see these other tracks coming in. And I thought, huh, there must be a hunter up here. I better pay attention. I'm going to watch out, you know. So, but I kept following the deer and this other hunter. And I, and I walked for another about a half an hour. And I saw a third set of tracks come in. And I thought, oh, that's kind of weird. And then it occurred to me. That deer was saying, follow me, and I'll lead you nowhere. He was taking me in circles. I was following myself. <laughs> and I, th- I think that's how some people live. They, they follow the world and they end up going in circles and going nowhere. Or they follow themselves and they end up in the desert or in a bog somewhere, a quicksand. And, and following yourself and following the world just doesn't do it. You know, Jesus never said, follow me and I'll lead you nowhere. Follow me, and I'll lead you in circles. He never said either of those things. What he said was, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And that's our theme for these two Sundays of missions here in November. Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. But what does it look like to be a follower of Jesus? Have you ever thought about that? He says, follow me, but what does that look like? Does that mean follow a deer in the woods? I, so I looked up the term follow me in the scriptures and I found out that there's 43 different occurrences of this phrase or something just like it in the New Testament. 43 times where it says follow me. Jesus was interested in this term and used it a fair bit. He said in Matthew 10:38, the one who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. Matthew 16, 24, Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone wants to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. Those are some pretty serious words about following Jesus. If you want to save your life, he says, follow me. We see Jesus using this phrase a lot specifically in calling people to follow him in ministry. His disciples, um, an expanded version of this Matthew 4, 19, which is our theme, starts in verse 18. It says, Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee. Now picture this. And he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then he said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. 
Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James the son of Zebedee and John his brother, in the boat with Zebedee their father, mending their nets. And he called them. And immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. So Jesus called Peter and Andrew and James and John, and then Levi that we know as Matthew. In Luke 5, he says, After these things, he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi and sitting at the tax office, and he said to him, Follow me. Later we see Philip and Nathaniel, two more disciples, who were called to follow Jesus and did so. So it's obvious that Jesus was in the habit of calling by using this term, follow me. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. What does it look like to follow Jesus? He keeps telling people, follow me, but what does that look like? Well, as I thought about it, I think the best way to explain what it means or what it looks like to follow Jesus is to talk about people who did follow Jesus and look at what he did in and through their lives, and then we'll know more about what it means to follow Jesus. Mark Zook was a 30-year-old Pennsylvania dairy farmer who followed Jesus, and he and his wife Gloria felt the Lord had called them to be missionaries, so they made application to a mission agency and were denied. The mission agency said, you're 30 years old, you're too old, and you're not trained. Well, they still felt called, so they kept persevering, and they applied to another agency called New Tribes Missions, and they were accepted, and they got trained. Then they went to their church, and their church prayed over them and anointed them and then sent them out. And for 15 years, they served among the Moke people in remote Papua New Guinea from 1984 to 1998. This simple farmer, Mark Zook, went to this remote tribe and simply shared the main stories and themes of the Bible. The people there called it God talk. I love that, God talk. He shared from creation all the way through the resurrection. He taught stories and used drama twice a day, five days a week. For months, he told the Mok people about God and Satan and Adam and Eve and sin and what it meant. And eventually, after months of sharing this Old Testament teaching, about, he shared finally about how Jesus came and lived among men. Mark talked to them through the story of the Bible, the good news, and the Mok listened over and over. On tape, they could hear his messages repeated, and they fell in love with this man called Jesus. And finally, finally, after months, he gave them the opportunity to respond to the gospel. The good news that Jesus was God, that he was born, that he lived a perfect life, that he died on the cross as a sacrifice for all our sins, and that he was raised from the dead victorious to spend eternity with the Father. The 1989 film Etau is a recreation of what happened. When they heard about Jesus' sacrifice for them, in the film they begin to shout, I believe, I believe, Jesus is my sin bearer. I believe that Jesus paid for my sins. The village leader stood up and he confessed that he too believed that Jesus had died for his sins. And many began to shout, Etau, Etau, it's true, it's true. Mark told the entire Moke village that if they really believed that Jesus had died for their sins, that their sins were now forgiven. They continued to shout, E2, it's true, E Tau, it's true. And spontaneous rejoicing broke out and went on, get this, for two and a half hours as they just jumped up and down and rejoiced that their sins were forgiven. Salvation had come to the Moke people through 
a Pennsylvania farmer. Think about it. A simple farmer and his wife heard Jesus say, follow me, and they simply obeyed, and God made them successful fishermen among the Moog people. At the end of the film, Itau, there's a slide that comes up, and it says this, the Moog people want their story told in hopes that others will become missionaries to people just like themselves. Isn't that amazing? I love that. But that is not the end of the story. There's a second film. It's called Etow, the next chapter. It came out in 1993. And in that movie, the story is told how the Moak people heard Jesus say, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And they began to prepare themselves to pray and get trained so that they could go to the to tribes around them and share the good news about Jesus. In that second film, there's a live filming of the entire neighboring tribe coming to Christ as the Moog people shared with them. Remember, I want you to see this, but I want you to, as you watch this, remember this is live. This is not a recreation. Watch what happens. All of a sudden, they run out and just start moving. There's no cultural equivalence to this. It's just a result of a tremendous emotional release as they realize their sins are forgiven. The condemnation of sin, the guilt, the weight and darkness is gone. My family and I get in on it too. It's a bit hard to hold the camera still. This rejoicing went on for quite a while. Isn't that incredible? Yeah. Wow. After an extended period of rejoicing like that that you see there, suddenly there was silence, and then weeping and wailing. The people explained that they had suddenly realized that all of their ancestors, their families who had died in the past, had gone into a Christless eternity, and their grieving was real and heartbreaking. But then that gave way to more singing and rejoicing. I love that story. What a remarkable thing. And they captured it all live on film. It's just amazing to watch. As of 19, or 2014, there were some 20 churches among the Mok people, and the Mok had become missionaries to other people groups who spoke languages totally different from theirs. For them, Mark Zook, the missionary, represented the bridge that God used to bring them from darkness into light spiritually. Jesus kept his promise. He said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And Mark and Gloria Zook became successful fishermen. But there's one part of this story that I hope is never repeated, and that's the part where they stop and weep over those who've not heard their ancestors. But as Michelle shared last week, we know that there are hundreds of millions in the world today who've never once had the opportunity to hear about Jesus. I think we need to change that. Maybe you think that that story about Etau is too far away, or it's just really special. And I want to tell you that it is not. It is not unique. Many, many people have given their lives to get the good news out all over the world with amazing results, but the task, as we heard last week, is far from done. Now I want you to meet another couple, Malcolm and Jean Hunter, on video as Malcolm shares one story from their life as missionaries with SIM. 
The Bodhi lived in the lowlands on the other side of the River Omo, and the River Omo is full of crocodiles. The Bodhi were renowned. Now they had the guns, and the Bodhi people were very much feared. Though by that time, many of the tribes around the Bodhi had become Christians, and the Bodhi knew when the Christians were going to be meeting, they'd watch all the people going to church, and they would attack and they'd kill everybody. The church leaders asked me, would I please help them move the, them away from the Bodhi? There's no point in moving you away. You were once like them just 20 years ago. You're always raiding, killing each other. What changed you? And they said, oh, the gospel. So, well, let's take the gospel to the Bodhi. But if we try and go, they'll kill us because they won't allow any outsider to cross their tribal boundary. But you, white guys, you can go places that we can't go and they might spare your lives. But, and if you go, we'll pray for you, they said. So I agreed, and that's why we began making arrangements with a friend of mine who, pilot of a helicopter, little four-seater helicopter, who was fearless. I said, Would you, are you willing to go into the Bodhi people, knowing what their reputation is? And he said, I'll go anywhere for the gospel. And I had another friend called Ben who knew the language was closest to the Bodhi, and he agreed to go away. So the three of us, we go in, and so we flew in over the river Omo to where the Bodhi people lived. Nobody had ever walked in there. When we came towards landing, the pilot wanted to, well, Ben wanted the pilot to land at the first settlement we'd come to. But the pilot said, no, I'd like to go further down. So the pilot landed, the dust settled down. Ben began to get out of the helicopter. And we were fully expecting that someone's gonna shoot Ben gets out and he starts to speak to the people. He greets them in language which they could understand. God bless you and all your wives be fat and fertile and may your cows produce much milk and all the greetings which they would appreciate. And suddenly one old man on the crowd said, yes, we all know about God. We know it's God who sends the rain and the peace and health. But who is Christosi? Well, Christosi is the word in their language that is used for Jesus. And Ben knew that. And so Ben was so surprised, he said, who told you about Christosi? And the old man said, well, five nights ago, I was in my shelter, my home, and a bright light filled the place. And I woke up. And he said, who are you? And he said, I am Christosi. And in five days time, men will come down and tell you who I am and what I've done for you. And he said, you wait, they'll tell you. Christosi could of course have told him, but he's left that job to men and women to do. Ben was able to use all his skills, and he's a wonderful pioneer preacher of the gospel. He translates the scriptures, the key scriptures that were for salvation. And so now in the Bodhi, there are hundreds of believers, and the Bodhi are now going to their former enemy tribes to share Christ with them. They would be the best people to evangelize all their enemy tribes. I can see it in 18 different tribes now that the little spark that we lit 
the Holy Spirit has carried it over in ways that I could never have done it myself. I want you to know a little bit about these people, uh, Gene and Malcolm. Um, they're just normal people like you and me. Uh, they both grew up in England. Uh, Jean was born, uh, she was three years old when World War II started and uh, grew up in a Christian family, but she was about 21 before she really made a commitment to the Lord and heard him say, follow me and I'll make you a fisher of men. She got trained to go into the mission work and then she met this good-looking fellow named Malcolm. And uh, Malcolm's story is interesting too. He grew up in a Christian home too. And at age 10, they were attending this little chapel and his uh, preacher couldn't make it because a snowstorm came in and he couldn't make it in. So they asked Malcolm's father to preach. So he gave a, a simple gospel message, but it was so powerful for Malcolm that at age 10, he went home, got on his knees, and gave his life to Christ from his father's message. I just think that's amazing. He's always had an adventurous spirit, and his parents saw this in him. And at age 16, they, they gave him three British pounds and said, why don't you just go see what you can make of yourself, you know, uh, for a week or so, and then come back and tell us how it went. Imagine doing that at age 16 with your kids. So Malcolm went off, and he traveled all over the British Isles, through Wales and England and Scotland, and uh, came back after three weeks with a pound still in his pocket. And that's just kind of guy he is. He's just a unique person. And they have spent the last 60 years together serving the Lord, adventurous, outgoing, wonderful, adventurous people. They even wrote a book. It's called To the Ends of the Earth and What Happened on the Way There. Aren't they neat people? Wouldn't you love to meet them? You're going to meet them. They're right here. Come on up, you guys. I so appreciate these guys. They've become friends and uh, we've hung out and drank some tea together and just had some good fellowship. Malcolm, love you, brother. Gene, I want you to know they're still fishing. Yeah, yeah. after all these years, there's people in their neighborhood that are hearing about Jesus, <laughs> right? Absolutely. I just want to say thank you to you guys. <clears throat> Whoa, I get emotional. For 60 years plus of serving the Lord, you guys are amazing. You inspire me. So we have a little gift for you. We want you to go out to dinner, enjoy yourselves, have a great time. Should we say thank you to the hunters? Thank you. Thank you. Jean said I could tell you that uh, Monday, tomorrow, is her birthday, and she's going to be 87, and they're still going for it for the Lord. I just love that. He said, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. They're just normal people who said yes to Jesus and were used extraordinarily among the nomadic peoples all over the world. Uh, I didn't share this earlier, but Malcolm has his PhD in reaching nomadic peoples, and they've been everywhere. They're amazing people. I encourage you to get to know them. They're going to have copies of their book out in the lobby. If you go out and take an immediate right, they'll be in the corner there, and I'm sure you might be able to talk them out of one of those. Great stories in here. Well, we've talked about two couples. Mark and Gloria Zook, they were simple farmers from rural Pennsylvania. Malcolm and Jean Hunter, just ordinary people from England who said yes to Jesus. He said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And they said yes. And God is faithful. He who calls you will keep you and provide for you and give you an amazing ministry of fishing 
if you choose to follow him. There are so many other stories in the history of the church that I could share this morning. If we had more time, I'd love to share more. So many, the early disciples who were mostly from humble backgrounds, who started a movement that has changed the world. Every one of you is here this morning because of those men and their faithfulness to Jesus. They were so faithful to follow him. The Paul, the apostle, a, a Jewish priest, that Jesus said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And he followed and he was an amazing fisherman. The Moravians, who started a, a 24-7 prayer service that lasted for 100 years. Think about that. One out of every 60 of their people went to the foreign mission field. And many of them packed their goods in a casket because they knew they weren't coming back. They were going to serve the Lord for a life. Adnan Judson, who went to Burma and sacrificed greatly, but left a church that now is a million strong. David Livingston in Africa, Hudson Taylor and Robert Morrison in China, Amy Carmichael in India, Jim Elliott in Ecuador, Gladys Aylward in China. Who's seen The End of the Sixth Happiness? Anybody? You've got to watch that movie. It's an old black and white movie. I see one back there. It's a classic about a missionary life and what it was like to live in China. But Gladys Aylward was just a, a what do you call it, a house cleaner. No training, but God spoke to her. She wrote this later. She said, I wasn't God's first choice for what I've done for China. I don't know who it was. It must have been a well-educated man. I don't know what happened. Perhaps he died. Perhaps he wasn't willing. And God looked down and saw Gladys Aylward, and God said, well, she's willing. Yeah, and she made an impact. I wonder, are you willing this morning? Are you willing to follow Jesus and let him make you a fisherman? There are inspiring biographies of every one of these missionaries and many more. I encourage you to grab some of these and read them. They will inspire your faith. They will encourage you and lift you up. There's so many more average believers who followed Jesus and were made fishermen, famous ones and obscure ones, but all of them were made fruitful because they followed Jesus. I mentioned William Carey. He's known as the father of modern missions. Many people know his name if you know anything about missions, but few have heard of his good friend, Andrew Fuller. Like Carey, Fuller came to believe that every Christian was commanded to spread the gospel and that some are called to do it cross-culturally. Before leaving for India as a missionary, Carey famously told Fuller, and this is what he said, I'll go down into the pit if you'll hold the ropes. I love that metaphor. Fuller held the ropes. He served as president of their mission society from its founding until his death in 1814. He traveled all over the British Isles, raising funds and preaching missions-related sermons. And the missionaries in India and other early fields could concentrate on their ministry because they knew that Andrew Fuller was back holding the ropes for them. The point? Not everyone's called overseas to be a missionary. But everyone can be a rope holder. Wouldn't you like to be a rope holder and hold those who are overseas serving? Will you help those who go by praying and giving and sending and advocating and talking about the need for missions? Will you consider asking the Lord maybe to send you? Will you follow Jesus and let him make you a fisher of men? I have a question for you. What do you believe about what it means to follow Jesus. He says, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. What do you believe about that? 
I believe that every believer is called to go and make disciples. I believe that every believer is called to follow Jesus and be transformed into a fisher of men. I believe that every believer is called to deny himself, take up his cross, and follow Jesus. And that if you do, he will use you mightily. And I believe that every believer is called to be a rope holder, like Andrew Fuller. Most of you probably heard the name John Wesley. Did you know, this is amazing, did you know that John Wesley was the 15th of 19 children? That's amazing. That's a good woman there. But just another child, just one of 19 kids, but he was one who chose to follow Jesus, and God used him mightily as a great fisherman. He was the founder of the Methodist movement, and he rode on horseback 250,000 miles to preach the gospel. He gave away to the poor the equivalent of $6 million in his lifetime, and he preached, they say, more than 40,000 sermons. Wesley once said this, he said, do all the good you can, by all the means you can, in all the ways you can, in all the places you can, at all the times you can, to all the people you can, as long as ever you can. He followed Jesus, and Jesus made him a fisher of men, and he left behind three things, his coat, a silver spoon, and the Methodist church with 135,000 members. He was a good fisherman. Maybe you don't think you could be a fisherman like that, like Wesley. But the Bible says in Ephesians 2.10, we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. God has great works prepared for each one of you and for me, but we have to follow Jesus if you do, he'll help you walk in those works, and he will honor himself in the process. He will, he promised, make you a fisher of men. He promised. I mentioned Robert Morrison as one of the missionaries who went to China. don't have time to tell much of his story this morning, but shortly after he arrived in China, a young man, this man cornered him, and they had a conversation. And this is what he said to Morrison. He said, now, Mr. Morrison, do you really expect that you will make an impression on the idolatry of the Chinese empire? No, sir, said Morrison, but I expect that God will. God uses Morrison, he used Morrison, to translate the entire Bible into Chinese so that multitudes had access to the good news. Just a simple man who said yes to following Jesus. And again, I ask you this morning, will you follow Jesus and let him use your gifts and talents for his kingdom purposes. Will you be a rope holder? I want to give you an opportunity right now to respond to what you've heard from Michelle last week and some of the things I've shared here. You can go or you can be a rope holder. And I'm going to offer a prayer here. And if this prayer just expresses your heart, I want you to pray along after I give each line silently. And if it's your prayer, just pray to the Lord. Lord Jesus, I want to follow you. I want to learn more deeply to deny myself, take up my cross, and really follow you. Help me to learn more deeply what it means to follow you. As I do that, Lord, use my gifts, my abilities, my talents, my experiences for your kingdom work. 
Please help me know the works that you have designed for me to do. Help me be obedient to your call on my life in these works. Lord, help me be a faithful follower and a good fisherman. In Jesus' name, amen. As we close, I want to give you three simple yet profound ways that you can apply what Michelle talked about last week and what I've been talking about on today. Three simple ways to follow Jesus. Pray, give, go. You say those with me? Pray, give, go. It's simple. We've just created, in terms of prayer, if you want to follow Jesus in prayer, we've created um, what we're calling the Great Commission Prayer Group. There's a slide coming up. And if you'd like to be part of praying for missionary needs and missions needs, all you have to do is either take a picture of that QR code and uh, then it'll text you back three options or you can text in missions to that number that's on the screen there and you'll get the three options. And just put in the number one. That means I'm going to pray. I will pray. What will happen is we'll add you to the list of people that are going to be part of the Great Commission prayer team that's going to be praying for all these needs that we'll be sending out. So you're signing up to get those prayer requests if you text in one to that. Um, I want to know something. How many of you are willing to do that, to pray for missions at Gateway? Show me your hands. Show me your hands. Okay, thank you. I want you right now to take a picture of that slide and, and think about actually doing what it says to do. Um, and if you want to do that right now, I promise you I won't be offended if you pull out your phone and take a picture. I promise. Okay? So sign up for those prayer updates. And if you do, we'll send them to you regularly, and you will make a difference. There's a second way you can pray. At the Exodus today, as you go out the doors, we're going to have prayer cards for each of our three unreached people groups. And I'd like to see that everybody gets one of those and that you actually take those and put them in a place where you will pray for the needs among our unreached people groups that we've adopted. Um, how many of you would be willing to do that, to pray for our unreached people groups? Show me your hands. Thank you. Thank you. I believe because you're praying, things will happen. It's going to change. So please be involved in that prayer thing. So you can pray for the world. The second thing, anybody remember it? Pray, give. Yeah. I want you to know something about giving here at Gateway. Uh, many people are very generous. They give to the general fund as they should. They tithe. But none of that money goes directly to missions. If you want to give to missions at Gateway, you have to designate it for missions. So what I encourage you to do this morning is, as that slide is up there, do the same thing, only use the number two when you text in the second time. Say two. I want to be involved in giving to missions. And what will happen is you'll get taken to a link that shows you how to give to missions. We have several methods. You can do it on our website. We have an app called Push Pay that you can download and give to missions on that. You can write a check and just put missions in the memo line. Lots of ways to do it. I just want to encourage you to do that. I forgot to show you the prayer cards. There they are, the three prayer cards for our three UPGs. You'll be getting those at the door. So you can follow Jesus by praying. You can follow him by giving to missions. I didn't share this. We have a need in missions right now. We have six missionaries right now who are short of funds, and they've asked us to help. And we have no funds to really help them. Um, in addition, our missions balance has gone down over the last 12 months. So we need faithful givers to missions and new givers to missions. And I hope you'll pray about being part of that team. The third way you can apply what I've been talking about today is in the area of going. 
Um, we have both short-term and long-term opportunities. I want to tell you about three short-term opportunities that you can be involved in. We're taking a youth trip to Mexico over spring break, and we need some adults to go along with them. And maybe this is from the Lord for you. If you'd like to do that, take a picture of that slide or text in missions to that number, and then use the number three to say, I'm interested in the going options. So we got the youth trip. There's also a women's trip scheduled in November of 2024 to work among the Wolof women in Senegal. And we need a couple men to go, but mostly women, because we'll be working with a girls' school there. So if you're interested in that, let, let us know. And then thirdly, we're hoping to take an eyeglass team to India in August. So if you're interested in any of those short-term opportunities, text in three, and you'll get that information back. Maybe, just maybe, God is speaking to someone in the sound of my voice who wants to go long-term and be a missionary and make a difference like the Zooks and the Hunters. If that's the case, let me know, and I'll plug you into some opportunities. Jesus said, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And he always keeps his promises. The question is, will we, will you choose to follow Jesus? I hope and I pray that you will. Jim Elliott was a young man in his 20s who was martyred as a missionary in 1956 along a lonely river beach in Ecuador. But before his death, he wrote this, Only one life will soon be passed, and only what's done for Christ will last. Don't follow the world and go nowhere, like a guy following a deer in the woods in a circle. Don't do that. Follow Jesus. Invest in His eternal kingdom and be rewarded for your faithfulness. Will you let Him make you a fisher of men? You know, it's your choice. He will not force anyone. It's your choice. And I pray that every one of us will choose to follow Jesus and make us fishers of men. Don't forget, as you go out, get your prayer cards for our three UPGs. Please consider giving to missions after you do your tithes to the church and be uh, considering these short-term opportunities to go. I have an idea. Let's go fishing.